Steve, <laughs> it's a podcast. Oh, wow. It's been a while, hasn't it? We're actually doing it properly this time rather than just messing about in London. We're in my house. Back in Salisbury. In the dining room. Yeah. The downstairs room. It's all one room. And we've just had some breakfast, haven't we? Mate, you cooked me a fry up. Did you like it? It was very good. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. I um, Yeah, I like making a fry up. Particularly the sausages. They're my favourite bit. Did you enjoy them? They yeah. were Aldi's uh, Lincolnshire sausages. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I, gr- I always grill the sausages. Yeah. You don't want them too greasy, do you? You no. want them just a little bit. Yeah. I don't like it when you go to a greasy spoon and they deep fry a sausage. Oh, no, no, no. Mm. No, thank you, <laughs> sir. Anyway, we had the fry because, uh, yes, uh, listen, Steve's in Salisbury um, came down last night. We had a few ales. They have a had few ales. ales. A few ales. And um, we were very excited because um, my twenty-something-year-old millennial neighbours complained about the noise you, that my, you're me and proud of this fact, my friends you? were making as a four, mid-forties man. <laughs> they complained about the noise next yeah, door. We were up to what late, a result! Putting the world to rights. What Nick. a result! <laughs> He's proud of himself. Anyway, I've, but sent yeah. an, I've sent an apologetic text this morning just to say. Oh. Sorry about the noise. We're in absolute shambles. You should be embarrassed. <laughs> he said as well, he said, even the radio's not drowning you out. Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Burner. Dolly. Machine. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need? Petri. Dishes. Oscar. Bay. Isaac. Newton. Transplanting. Nick. Steve. What's your plans for today? Anything fun? Going to watch the Grand Prix later. Nice. With uh, my um, stepdad, Jeff. Yeah. And my mum's visiting. I don't even know where the Grand Prix is. I've got Felix in Austria, but I couldn't couldn't be precise. Right. I'm not really into the Grand Prix, but he really likes the Grand Prix. I bet, I bet you quite like the fact that you, you can just kind of have it on in the background and not really... A little bit, it. yeah. I'm more, yeah. more of a cricket man right. myself. Well, I, I would see those as kind of equivalent in that, in that regard. Uh, cricket's definitely more civilised and... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. something a little bit more classy about cricket. Fair enough. Anyway, I yes, I came across yes. this paper. Oh, that's <laughs> in the paper, Steve. Right, I'll show you the paper. Here's the paper. Right, I'm going to show Nick what the paper is. Shall I read the title? You can read the title. It's a really boring title. Yeah. HSTUV observations of asteroid open brackets sixteen close brackets psyche. And it's a long list of authors. There must be about ten authors there. So this is a this is a study um, about using the Hubble Space Telescope. Cool. To uh, and uh, and what they're using it to look at was to look at this asteroid called sixteen Psyche or Psyche. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, uh, which is an asteroid between Mars and Jupiter. Watch us wreck the mic. Yeah. Psyche. <laughs> great. Yeah, Hubble Telescope's great, isn't it? Still going strong. I think you might argue that it's probably the most successful scientific piece of equipment it's cool because they totally screwed it up to begin with they got all of the amazing story the mirror wrong do you know why i think someone mistook millimeters for for no 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 it's not that so that so uh, i'll so so, so in the in the in the middle of the of the hubble telescope there's a massive parabolic mirror yes right Um, and this mirror you can imagine if it has to be extremely precisely made because of it's all focusing, yeah. you know, extremely dim yeah, light. Yeah. I mean, that's how microscopes need to be. Way more, way more, way, more. way, way yeah. more than... So So yeah. it's lambda over 200, right? So this has to be... So so the wavelength it's picking up is 100, a few hundred nanometers and it has to be 
precise to the wavelength divided by 200. Can you give me an idea of what that's like in terms of Nat's wings or something? Or so, yeah, so it I'm was, kind of semi-joking. Yeah. <laughs> very small. But it has to be very accurate. Well, that's to, the to, give it, to give you an idea, like the optics I use in my lab, yeah. like, and I've, you know, I, I've, you know, run a research lab where we care about these things. Absolutely. I typically lambda over 10. All right, so it's like 20 times better it has than to the be. most expensive one you can aff- that wow. you can buy so it's a, but basically what you say it's a very um anyway, precise high precision yes, piece so of they pay but for, but that's expensive right so the yeah. mirror in the hubble space telescope just the mirror cost yeah. 200 million dollars right crikey and that was back in like mid 90s or yeah. whatever yeah. and they paid perkin elmer to who are this company to, to make it right good, go, good lads at perkin elmer and, and ladies they've yeah. helped me out on many occasions yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically the way they get it to that, uh, you know, to make it that that smooth uh, is they use a little interferometer. They use a little laser beam. Do they? Yeah. So they use, and, and that tells them how, uh, where how, that, accurate, how it accurate it is. Yeah. And in doing that, yeah. there was, in the interferometer, Nick, there was a yeah. bit of paint. There was a paint fleck. Oh, really? In the interferometer. Is that what the problem with it was? Yeah. I didn't realize so that. It gets better. So there's a paint fleck in the interferometer. Um, so they, so, but what they did is they're like, you know, so when the when the Hubble Space Telescope didn't work, the, the reason it was is because this mirror wasn't the shape they thought it was, right? Yeah. And so you know, there were like it's it it actually at the time considered really embarrassing. It was like you know NASA's massive blunder. You know yeah, how yeah, are you going to yeah. fix it, right? Yeah. So what they did is they went back in, they found this paint spec, yeah, and then they worked out yeah. the difference in the correction if the paint spec wasn't there by yeah. accurately measuring this paint spec, and then they made a a lens yeah. to cancel out the effect that the paint spec had in making the glass not it's quality not. in it so basically it and, and then they put it put it in a rocket and then they flew that up to the space popped, 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 it, in. popped it in a man popped it in yeah it's an expensive piece of um tech repair isn't it you know what i mean i mean i complain about the call out charges when people come to my lab to yeah, fix something but can you imagine like, the call out it's in low earth orbit that? yeah and people used to say it was like the, i remember at the time they said it was like they'd had to make a new pair of glasses that's exactly what it yeah, was yeah. yeah but but the but, it, but it'd be the equivalent of you know, n- making a pair of glasses by looking at the defects in your eye and then re-engineering a single piece, a single... Steve, they are so clever. <laughs> they are They're so, so clever. clever. Um, anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk to you about. Anyway, th- so, so this asteroid, asteroid 16 Psych, and you'll quite like this one, I won't get into it, right? Um, it is about 200 and something odd million miles away from Earth. So it's um, 256 million miles away from Earth. Is it that at the time they looked at it, or was that because like they float around, don't they? Asteroids yeah. between Mars and Jupiter, so I guess the distance would change. Changes a bit, yeah. Or... So they actually took these experiments. This is what tells you what annoys you about astronomers. They took these data in 2017. This paper's only just come out. Three well, years of analysing data. It's sounds, not fast enough, is it? Sounds very lackadaisical. Yeah, bloody bloody physicists. Anyway. What's really cool about this, right? So, so the, you know, when you people you get these stories of like, oh, you know, it rains diamonds on this, uh, you know, Planet, yeah. yeah, and it's got a, an atmosphere made of this. The way we know all of that is by analysing the light that comes to us from that, from whatever the object is, right? And you know, that and generally that's given the term spe- spectroscopy. Indeed. Yeah. So they've doing some spec. They've been doing some spectra on this. On this asteroid, so it's yeah. a, it's 130 kilometers across this asteroid. So they sort of looking at the light that's bouncing off it and coming back to us. That's it's made of something really interesting, Nick. Is it? Is it made of? Let me guess. Yeah. Chocolate. No. Wensleydale. Wensleydale. Cracking. No? Not Wensleydale. It's worth a bit more than Wensleydale. Gold. No, it's made of iron and nickel, it, and not the ore. Like almost exclusively. That's right? insane. I mean, nickel. Interestingly, nickel is something which is gonna 
the demand will increase a lot because it's in so batteries, electric batteries. Nickel's an important component. Isn't yeah, it? all of the your electric cars, the the predominant uh, metal in, yeah. the, in the in the battery is nickel. So we'll need a lot more nickel in twenty years. Well, there's so much in here that it that it would that at current costs. Yeah. It just this asteroid yeah. is worth seventy thousand times the global economy. Good. <laughs> God, can yeah. you imagine how if they brought that down to earth? Imagine the crash in the price of nickel. It would be like your your investments water. wouldn't do well, would they? They wouldn't. No, <laughs> if I was invested, I do ha- I do have like a but it's pension exci- thing. It's, exci- in nickel. it's exciting though, isn't it? Because like, yeah. so so it's it's ten to the eight. Sorry, ten to the nineteen dollars would what it would be worth, right? If you, yeah, yeah, it's just pure nickel. It's pure nickel and iron. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, that's in, that's incredible. So much so that like, like if at current prices, obviously this wouldn't happen. Uh, if they brought it back and sold it, every human on earth. Could could get roughly uh, over a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, that reminds me. I don't want to take off on a tangent, but I, I've got a friend who I go cycling with, and he is a he's a game designer. He oh, has yeah. a company, and he, he has a he has a game a sort of he does VR stuff. Yeah, and one of them's about being in a submarine, multiplayer game in a submarine. Yeah. you know, you you move things around with your hands. It's pretty cool. Have you ever had a go at VR? Yeah, it's amazing. Published isn't paper. It? Oh, of course he did. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying. He's designing a game at the moment called I Fetch Rocks. Right. When you're you're a spaceship miner and you have to design your space about building the spaceship. Yeah. And collect asteroids. Well, there's a few for the there's, stuff there's, in there's them. There's a few companies that, are, that have been set up with the goal of uh, mining near Earth asteroids. Well, Ian, Elon Musk was talking about getting gold from one, wasn't yeah. he? I mean, it's like that film, isn't it? Armageddon. That's what those. But well, they were saving Willis. the world. They weren't trying to. Make but they cash. were miners. They were asteroid they miners. Were, they were, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's really interesting. It's quite unusual, in fact, to, for um, an asteroid to be made. Normally, they're made of rock and ice and carbon dioxide and stuff like that. Or right? mixture of different yeah. things. Yeah. It's weird. Why is it made of nickel? Does anyone they know? don't know. They don't even know. Why would it to concentrate it? like in that level? Because nickel's quite. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what the atomic number of nickel is, but it's, it's in the like, top line of the yeah, transition. Yeah, because iron is. I know that iron is the heaviest one that can be made in a star, isn't it? Uh, in a supernova. Because they're no, all no, made. No, no, no. They're made in a star, but anything heavier than iron is in a supernova. Ah, right. Okay. So iron's the heaviest one that can be made during Just, the natural life exactly. course of a star. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's great, Steve. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, isn't it? That, that, that like, it's kind of a loot. So it's two hundred and fifty million miles away. It's not. It's not close, right? Well, that's but, just to put that in perspective. That's about uh, two, three times the distance of the Earth from the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. So. so but presumably, but I mean, it's worth just... so much money. <laughs> like you know. But if you got it back, it wouldn't really be worth. It'd be I, too much. I think. I think you'd be. I think you'd do all right out Probably of it. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see the business model. Steve. Ick. Oh, I've had a holiday recently. Oh, where'd you go? I went to... Maria went back to Sweden because mm. she's Swedish. Yeah. Um, Doesn't mean she has my, to go back. My wife. My wife. She went to Sweden. So it was a bit difficult for me to go there with her because of all of the things that have to do with oh, PCR right, the tra- tests. The travels. Yeah, so Maria went back with us. In the meantime, I went to the Green Man Festival with nice. some friends. Have you heard of the Green Man well, Festival? I have heard of the Green Man Festival. It was nice. It's kind of eclectic music festival. Yeah. yeah. Who, who was there? Who did you see? Bands wise, yeah. there were lo- most of the bands I'd never have heard. I never heard of before mm. I went there, but, but I'd heard of a couple. I heard a teenage fan club were playing. Yeah. So I went to see them in like nineteen ninety two. Wow, it's insane! Yeah, and also um, uh, there was Jose Gonzalez, who oh, people right. may have heard. Yeah, of. they did the the Sony advert. And then there yeah. were some great bands. There was Laura Marling's 
side project called Lump. They were very good. And BC Camplight, I enjoyed oh, not a lot. Them. Yeah. And then there's another chap called Richard Dawson, who I knew about, who I've got his recent album. He was brilliant, both solo and in his, he's got a side project band as well called Hinoglyph. So yeah, I had a good time. Sort of just wandering around, you know, and it's nice to sort of see music as it happened. Was it nice to kind of be in that kind of festival environment? People, stuff's happening, you're yeah. a human, you're a social ape. And suddenly you get the opportunity to interact with humans again. I guess it's the first time I've done it for a while, but I didn't. I just forgot about it immediately. It just seemed totally normal. Right, right straight back into it. Straight like, back like, into like it. you've never been off for 18 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, um, it was very, very nice. Any, I went with my friend, one of my friends who went was called Big Man Chris. Big Man Chris Wankling. Yeah. He was probably a friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Anyway, he was a sort of, he liked to camp well. Oh, he's he didn't want to. He's a glamper, is he? Uh, somewhere You're on... quite, you see camping as quite a kind of austere thing that a man should endure, shouldn't you? I like to pack light. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like to pack light and just have things that I need. Yeah. And like, I can live with basic things. You yeah. Know? A tea bag in a mug, some yeah. hot water, cut on a tranger. That'll do me at a festival. Anyway, he brought, he's a cameraman. So he had lots of, all the gear. He had a special trolley that was loaded with just his stuff. <laughs> And but it when was, you say trolley, do you mean like a shopping cart or like no, that's like a kind of like a thing that you might have in the lab for transporting lab equipment? Oh, Obviously, right. he uses it for camera-related ah, right. stuff. So it's like yeah, like, like almost like a, like a chest of chest of drawers on wheels kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But he okay. one of the items that he brought, he brought a gas stove. He brought a, a full-on full-size coffee mocker. Right. You yeah. know what a coffee a, mocker is? A mocker is? pot. Yeah. A mocker pot. It's one yeah. of these pots. People, some people may not know what they are. Yeah. I didn't really know what they were. So, I've seen them, of course. It's a pot. It's like a kind of looks like a teapot sitting on kind of a, a sort of plinth. Yeah. Which which goes the other way. It's sort of, you see them in Italy all the time. Yeah, the Italians love them. Yeah. They... Yeah. And you put your coffee in the bottom and then no, some water. You put some water in the bottom. I can't remember how he did it. He showed me. Yeah. He put coffee there's in the bottom as well. There's water in the bottom and then there's a the little uh, he put holder. The co- you put coffee in the bottom and then there's like a thing, like a tube bubbles yeah. up to the top. Anyway, he cooked coffee on that every morning and yeah. it was really nice coffee. Anyway. I was just thinking about coffee and you introduced mm. it the other week. And in, in our lab, this, I'm putting some things together here, Steve. Yeah. In our lab at the moment, we make emulsions of things. Bubbles. For science. Droplets and bubbles. So an emulsion is like an, usually an oily mixture in water. That's what most people think about mm-hmm. it. So milk's kind of an emulsion. It's fatty globules suspended yeah. in, in watery stuff. We make them and we try and make them in specific sizes. So we want things that are, you know, quietly tightly defined sizes. Yeah. But the the... And to make those, what we do is you you put the oils like you imagine you've got some cooking oil, some water, and a bit of soap. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And then you have to mix it up. Yeah, and Shake basically it. it emulsifies the fat, so yeah. you end up with a suspension, milky suspension, like you know when you do your washing up. Basically, yeah. it makes them disperses the oil in the water. And to mix it up, we use a, something called a sonicator. Mm. Tip sonicator. Tip sonicator. So basically, this is it. Just looks like a a long probe. And how it works is you've just got something that vibrates very, very quickly at one end of it that makes the tip vibrate very, very quickly. Uh, it's basically like how speakers work in your house. Yeah, it's just a much it's higher like frequency. It's like a very yeah. high frequency speaker. It's called the piezo, the, the thing that vibrates. But anyway, so that vibrates and it causes agitation. Mm-hmm. And what happens at the tip is it, it moves at 20 kilohertz. So that's 20,000 times a second it vibrates. Mm-hmm. So it's higher frequency than you can hear. Uh, that's why it's called ultras ultrasonication mm-hmm. it's high frequency and what happens is you get cavitation little little as the pressure changes near the tip mm. the 
pressure drops and the water vaporizes, so you get bubbles transiently forming. It's cool, isn't it? Like, just think about it for a second, right? You're moving so fast that what happens is you, you know, we spoke about boiling before, right? Yeah. But you're, you're, you're decreasing the pressure to such a point yeah. that, like, it, so this is not like, I was, when I first heard about this, I thought, like, you know, you're mixing air in from, you know, from above the liquid, but you're not, right? If you put a tip sonic in the middle of a pint of water, it moves so quickly that it just, like, creates a, a hole yeah. from where it's left behind Cavity. that boils the water. Yeah, well, it's the pre it's basically because the pressure changes the pressure. It's like if you took some warm water up to the top of Mount Everest very quickly, it suddenly boiled. Or if you went to space, you know, liquids yeah. boil in space, the pressure drops, and it's the same as heating it. Mm. If you lower the pressure, it, it means stuff boils at much lower temperature. Anyway, you get cavitation, and that causes a lot of energy and it basically mixes stuff mm -hmm. very quickly so and you can mix things much more finely with a sonicated tip than you can with a um you know by mixing with a path like or yeah or or like a, a food mixer yeah. or whatever anyway it doesn't work very well the one we've got and can't, we don't know how it works and it's just got like buttons on it up down yeah maximum so you just minimum. max it out all the way just maximum yeah. two seconds but what happens is it's really kind of like doesn't work properly sometimes it's variable Right, and I think it sort of slows. If it meets resistance, it kind of lowers its own frequency or something. Mm. But the point I'm making, we don't know how it works, yeah. and it's not good enough for what we want to do. Right, let's buy a new one. Well, we could buy a new one, but they're all the same. They're all sort of black right. box things. So we thought we'd get some students to make some. As oh, a project. cool! <laughs> well, we did think that originally. Like it's yeah. called a, like a, we have these projects called group design projects where you get like five students to work as a team. Mm -hmm. to, they're engineering students basically. And it's quite a simple thing when you, it boils down. So like an amplifier, yeah. like in the stereo, speaker, a signal generator that makes the waveform yeah. for the amplifier to make bigger. And then a piezo, which is the thing that vibrates and a bunch of other stuff you stick in it. Anyway, I thought, well, how am I going to make this interesting? To it's very interesting. How am I going to make it even more interesting? So I thought, what? I so came up with... By sloshing water backwards and forwards, you can make it instantly boil and then collapse. Like, well, I thought, I thought, well, hey, this, what's this? Thing? It's like a milk, it's like a milkshake. You could make a milkshake with this. So I sort of did a bit of googling, and then I came up with the idea of the ultrasonic cappuccino. Oh, <laughs> could Nick. you make a really nice cup of coffee from it? And people have already done. This. Of course, they have. So yeah. there's a paper, and it's in ultrasonic sonic chemistry. A bunch of people from Australia. Of course, it was flat white as well. Was it? Oh, are you? Flat, flat, yeah, flat we're white. gonna make flat white. Yeah, mate. Why don't we try and uh, get some funding to make a really <laughs> perfect cup of coffee we could just get some uh, sonicator tip and make a paper like that <laughs> and it'd be great so anyway they did this and they basically what they did was they got some coffee they, they got some funding from a company called the little guy energy drink okay which i don't know they have they don't seem to be a very big company but anyway right. that's who's funding it and obviously it's like a bit of a fun science project yeah. and what they did was they tested normal coffee Mm. with sonicated coffee. So let me think about the difference before you tell me. So, so I would imagine if, you know, the sonicator is going to make uh, a different kind of m milky foam, right? So, the, 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 you know, you, the, the, the frothed up milk by frothing it up ultrasonically is going to give us a different flavor profile than, than heating it up with steam, which is what normally we do, right? So, and you can imagine probably because it will be at lower temperature because, you know, you know, so you might not imagine you could burn the milk a little bit or scold mm. the milk if you heat it up with too high a steam. Whereas that wouldn't happen, so I would imagine it would be velvet. It would be smoother. More the milk would be more velvety in your mouth. Well, it's interesting that you say that, but they didn't in this particular paper. They were just looking at the actual brewing of the coffee. Oh right, so, so not like, even the milk. 
No, they they did they oh. it. They did the milk just in a normal. Um, I can give you the the model number. No, it's fine. They, they did they did that. It's called yeah. It was anyway. They did that using just a normal um, milk heater, but okay. they actually mixed the coffee. So what they did was they ground some coffee as normal, yeah. and they popped it in like with water. Yeah. Either heated to fifty degrees or thirty degrees. They did it scientifically, mm. so they varied the temperature. They varied the length of time they sonicated it for. Mm. Um, and what else did they vary? They varied other things as well. I can't remember. But um, anyway, they did that. And then they tested a bunch of things which were made by the coffee. So the stuff that comes out of the coffee. So basically what they were doing was they were saying, well, if you if you sonicate it, you can extract more flavor from the coffee mm. and you get a better flavor profile. Right. So and how do they did it? How do they? evaluate whether it tastes nicer well interesting they measured a bunch of stuff so coffee apparently has about 1800 different chemicals in it okay at an estimate yeah we cited a paper yeah there's loads of stuff in it and what gives coffee its um its flavor is often sort of volatile molecules that's why you need your your coffee ground at the moment you you make it you know because all of those things evaporate with time and therefore like that's why when you go to your fancy coffee shop they grind the coffee in front of you Absolutely. So there's a lot of things which give it its flavour astringency when you taste it. And there's a lot of volatile things which give it its aroma. Mm. And they've all got different names. There's things like 3-methylbutanol, 2-ethyl-6-methylpyrazine. Mm. They're all volatile things and they come come out. So what they did when in this paper is they, they made the coffee in, in different ways, changing mm-hmm. the parameters. And they measured a bunch of things. So they measured the amount of antioxidants using antioxidant kits, see how much yep. antioxidant came out. So an important component of coffee. They measured the caffeine, how much caffeine was extracted, uh-huh. and they measured how much fat triglycerides were in it, and they measured the volatiles. Oh, I bet the graphs are good in this. <laughs> it's a little bit of it. It's not like a, an amazing paper. It's just a fun yeah. paper, but they did it quite well. It's all all very well presented. And so, so does it increase the caffeine? Does it increase the... the it, when you tip sonicate coffee, do you get more, more delicious coffee? The first thing they noticed was the yeah. coffee, when they sonicated it, it's more of a light brown colour. Uh, so if you just if you just boil the coffee in a normal way, like in a mocha, yeah. it's just like a dark brown colour. When they were sonicating it, in addition to the heating, yeah. it became a very light, a lighter brown colour. Right. And what they found was there was much more fat extracted from the coffee beans. Interesting. So much more fat came out with sonication. I I couldn't give you the exact uh, figure, but significantly more. Yeah, okay. You know, probably something like a hundred fifty percent more. Okay. Right. Right. So they think, and that gave, actually it gave it a much smoother texture as well in the mouth. In the mouth, much nicer mouth feel. Right. So it made it much smoother. They actually got experts to drink it to sample it. What oh, that's it cool. <laughs> yeah, two, two. Oh, so mate, as want, evaluated, you want to come over to the lab, experts. try the yeah, coffee. You come over, mate. <laughs> You've got a bit of coffee. It's going okay. You won't get paid anything. You can enjoy your coffee. Yeah, mate. Yeah, good. It's all good. Anyway, and much more caffeine with sonication. Right. Um, much less antioxidants. So uh-huh. this coffee was significantly reducing antioxidants. That's bad, though. Isn't it? Yeah, you'd want. I mean, antioxidants people say are good, but they think mm. probably the sonication process created free radicals and that mopped up all of the antioxidants. Right. So you, you lost them. The fat comes out. I think it's just a mixing thing. So coffee is pr- about seventy percent fat. It's really fatty coffee beans. Interesting. They're predominantly triglycerides. When you think about it, in the nuts. Yeah, you think about so. it, if you look at yeah. walnuts or anything yeah, yeah, else, yeah. they're mainly fat that, with yeah. some protein. It's not much carbohydrate in them. Yeah. Anyway, much more fat came out. So that's also what they think makes it a smoother drink. Mm-hmm. Much less crema. You know the layer on the top. Yeah, that's carbon so dioxide much, typically. Crema. Much less yeah. crema. So maybe that's to do with the gas that they thought. 
Um, yeah, but in, in short, they think, well, this is a nice way to make coffee. Maybe we should ha- all have T- tips sonicators in yeah, our. Yeah. That will be next to the kettle. Exactly. Yeah. The big question, though, Nick. The big question is, did they serve it with a Tim Tam? <laughs> Not reported. Nick. Steve. How are you? I've got a bit of a headache. Yeah. Yeah. Well, too many, too much in the beer drinking. Too much of the beers. Too beer, too much beer drinking. Mm, well, you know, <laughs> too old that's for what, it. That's what the summer's for, isn't it? Well, it was a nice uh, day it yesterday. A... It's a lovely day for having a beer in the sun. Well, otherwise, what's it all for, Nick? Yeah, what's exactly. it all for? You've got a carpe diem, Steve. <laughs> right. Um, I was. I found out something the other day yes. that you know some of these. Sometimes you find these kind of factoids in life and you go to someone with some great enthusiasm saying, mm. I found this out, right? Wow. And everyone, like, oh my, you're like, yeah. did you know? Yeah, that's exactly did right. Did you know? And sometimes people are like, yes, everyone knows that. Like, well, how did you not so know that, right? So I've come across this. It's like when I found out that it was espresso, not espresso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God, that was a revelation. But you know, but, you, but when you tell people, they're like, yeah, of course, Nick. Like, yeah. everyone, everyone knows that. <laughs> Are you a moron? You're a moron. I didn't know you were an actually a moron. Yeah. Um, what did you find out that was obvious, Steve? So I, I was watching. A, well, I don't know if it's obvious, right? So okay. I, I'm going to. And I might. So need, I, I might need your help here. Okay. To, as a I'm as a biologist to navigate like our way quiz. through it. So I was watching this um, uh, lecture, or it was a kind of debate between um, Richard Dawkins and Brett Weinstein. Uh, do you I'm know so Brett? over Richard Dawkins. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's just become a tedious man to me. Yeah, but this, it was actually a bio- they're both professors, evolutional biologists. It yeah, wasn't, nah, nah, but nah, it was you know, nah, nah, that's what they sound like. Nah, nah, nah. It's probably what we sound like. Exactly. Just a bit more whiny. Yeah, 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 we yeah, probably yeah, swear yeah. a bit. More. I'm older than better than I'm still banging on. <laughs> right. Yep. So they were having a discussion yes. about evolutionary biology. Okay. And they're talking about... The, That's his bag, really. Is, they're both of their bags, mm. right? Um, so um, uh, Brett Weinstein was a was a, uh, a professor at Evergreen. Where's he from? Say, my name's Brett Weinstein. <laughs> no, he's yeah, American. Oh, he might be Canadian. American, yeah, no, North American. originally Australian. Oh, I can't Do you want to see a picture of him? Here you go. Yeah, this, is what Brett, this is what Brett, Brett looks like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looks like a kind of... Um, he looks like the geek in a disaster movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, anyway, they were talking about, the, you know, this was one of these. So anyway, the, the lecture was boring, but Brett in the middle of this discussion just drops in this little nugget. That oh, I was yeah. like, that can't be right. right. That's not real. Go on, right? So they were talking about the kind of um, the evolutional pressure, uh, origin of homosexuality was the was the. Oh, um, we've suddenly moved, changed gears here, Steve. Yeah, we've moved into an era of. So this, so this is the factoid, right? <laughs> Which factoid. is nuts. Okay. And it's been, rep- and we'll go, I'll go through how this is. Right. This is true. It's not one of those like weird facts that there's only it's one paper. Okay, this has been right. repeated multiple times in multiple places around the world with multiple different. Um, if you're, if you've got the the more older brothers you have, yeah, increases your chance of being gay. Does it really? By a lot. Really. By so so by um, hang on a sec, let me look it up. It is. It's called, so, so, so the, the phenomenon is called the fraternal birth order and male sexual orientation. Um, uh, fraternal birth order is, is the kind of term that people use to discuss. Okay, this. so this is a fact, right? So statistically, statistically, yeah. the more brothers you have, older brothers, the more likely you are to be... Yeah, okay. by, by each brother. Is this also true for um, 
lesbians uh, being gay if you're a woman. So there's not enough data for that. Okay. But, but there must be enough but data. But there is some data on that, and it looks it appears to be yes, right? So here, right. here's the thing. By by 38 to 48% increases your chances of third, being gay. About a third, yeah. Every brother you have. Oh, really? Yeah. So a third times a third times a yeah, third. Yeah, I mean, it's a relatively low. So if you're a 2% chance of being gay... You know, if you, um, about you know, globally is about the number that's reported, wow. and then it goes to five, and it goes to seven. Wow. Right? You know, and so, so first off, you didn't know about this. No, I didn't. Okay, know. right. No. This this is what's cool, right? So that, so the people start. This was discovered in the early nineties um, by a gentleman called by two people called Ray Blanchard and Anthony Boger. Right? They were the first people to identify this and named it the fraternal birth order effect. Right? Right. Um, and so they said, okay, well, if that's true. You know, is it nature or nurture is the first question, right? So if we look at adopted brothers, people that live in an adopted household, like, do they do they d- display the so same if effect? You, if you'd had three boys, you know... Yeah, but, you have a family of three boys. And then you adopted a younger boy. Yeah. Okay, would that be the same? Yeah. And is it? No. Really? So yeah. it's kind of genetic. Exactly. Right? Good and, Lord. And I know it's nuts, isn't it? So they've done it in different countries. They've done it. Um, they've also done the same thing that if you follow, if you split people up, but, you know, fraternal brothers um, uh, and you put them into different families. So rather than saying in one family, the, 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 prob- the probability still increases. So if, you, so if you've got two older brothers and you go into a family that doesn't have any um, so brothers in it at all. So let's say, so you, you're in a family, yeah. your parents, well, let's just say the parents yeah. have four boys yeah. and the youngest one is adopted out to another yeah. family that still ha- it still has the yes. wow isn't it cool so what causes it well basically they don't know right there, there was there was a there was a study looking at this uh neurolignin protein called nlgn so uh, basically the, the the kind of from from that yeah people think that there's strong evidence that it is a genetic rather than the, the mechanism thought to be a maternal immune response to male fetuses Whereby right. antibodies neutralise Y proteins. So all of the the data, the work is on biology, not on well, confounding factors. When they first found it, they were like, "Yeah, okay, let's." We don't it's, believe that, uh, right? So they've done all that. They've now. done all that, and they've said, "Well, it's not that. It's definitely genetic. So it's much. It must be biological. Yeah. It must be. Uh, yeah, and it's not a little effect, right? Forty to fifty, you know, thirty, nearly thirty-eight to forty-eight percent increase per person. That's insane. All right. That the rabbit hole gets deeper, Nick. Right? So they've done, as I said, they've done these they've done these um, studies in Brazil, Canada, Finland, Iran, Italy, Netherlands, Samoa, Turkey, UK, and US all show the same behaviour. Wow! Right? Um, uh, they they they're trying to find the kind of genetic component to it. Now, this is the stuff that gets even weirder, right? This effect is only true if the men are right-handed. Oh, don't! Mess with me, man. <laughs> and this I has mean, been repeated too. Is it too. also true if they're like they're like potatoes? <laughs> I mean, why pick on just being right-handed? They just found it. They've repeated it multiple it's times. It's only true if. Well, actually, they think the origin here is basically left-handed people are more likely to be gay. Just true, just as a statement. Really? So actually, the, why are left-handed people more likely to be gay? Like right side, the left, left right are side. Are younger of the brain. brothers of sibling older older brothers are they more likely to be left-handed? No. It gets so complicated, this yeah. case. Because then you get all of the... It's like you could pick any trait. Well, no, well, Why actually, the, 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 basically, the argument is being left-handed is more of an indicator of being gay than this effect of having an older right, brother. Right, right, right. So, right. So, so it swamps it out. Basically, the effect of being uh, of being gay um, being uh, and being left-handed is more is bigger than the effect of 
um, right, of right. this. This is where all order. these things become complicated. Very it's complicated. Like, yeah. it's statistically, it becomes. You have to ask either way. And well, it just thing, beca- yeah. from a statistical point of view, you just start thinking, well, is this just a kind of. Is it a quirk? Yeah. 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 But, but, you it's know, related but to that's something been, else. again, that's been repeated multiple studies about this handedness. Oh, right? my goodness. This sounds like an area. I can imagine this literature being a nightmare. It's quite, and there's quite a body of work on it, which is quite oh, finding. Uh, it's quite interesting. But yeah, so that, that's oh, the thing. So, goodness. so if you're, if you're, the more brothers you have, yeah, the more older brothers you have, the more likely you are to be gay. And it's basically to do with your mum when she's pregnant for you. Yeah. Uh, her her immune system is, is thought to be different and therefore changes your brain neurochemistry as a Somehow. fetus. Yeah. It, it does. It's the sort of thing where I'm, oh, that's very interesting and I'd, I'd be interested to read about it more, but I, I do have a skepticism about it. I'd like to. I, I think for the explanation, but you can't deny the data, right? You know, and this is, and this is. Well, I would, been... I would want to know. I mean, there was things to do. I mean, there's always confounding factors and there's always holes in the way studies have been set up and yeah, i bet you there's a lively debate around it yeah so but, but be interesting. Is, it's not new and like i said it was first discovered in the early 90s and this and there's, there's a paper now so now they're trying to find they think it's this this protein called neurolignin uh four four which they think actually it seems to be associated with this yeah, behavior yeah. some somehow but i know so, people have done genetic studies where they've tried to look at genetic differences between gay people and straight people and yeah. that's come up with very little yeah, so so it's, so the, this result of this particular protein, the study they did, um, says that um, that indicates the mothers of gay sons, particularly those with older brothers, had significantly higher antibodies to this protein um, than the control samples of women, including mothers of heterosexual sons. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. Well, thanks, Steve. That was very interesting. Isn't it weird? It make, makes me think immediately so, of yeah. friends who I have. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Isaac, transplanting? It's Brian. How y'all doing, mate? Brian, I haven't spoken to you in ages. How's your summer been? It's been great. I've been down on the Isle of Wight, mate. You've been on the Isle of Wight. With Barb's. With Barb's. I forgot about Barbara. What did you go go camping? Sand down, sand down. Very nice. Playing the the mini golf, mate. (laughs) Do you like mini golf? Love, love a day by the sea. So I put my anchor on my head. Game of mini golf. Yeah. Do you Fish and chips. Sound, sandcastle. Fish and chi- Sandcastles, yeah. yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Go. Bit of fish and chips. And then back home. Couple of pints of Banksy's. Wow. Watch a bit of telly. Go out of bed. Love sounds, a bit of it, mate. <laughs> sounds like a lovely way to Anyway, I like time. that. Good podcast, mate. Do you like that one? Did, what yeah, was, it's, it's, it's interesting, the thing about the like older brothers being gay, isn't it? Day believe it, mate. Don't believe nah, it. You're, you're sceptical as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very... Um, well, did, did you like the big asteroid, though? Everyone... Bloody marvellous, mate. <laughs> Can you get one made of port scratchings as well? Well, we'll have to, we'll have to keep looking with the Hubble oh, Space Telescope. port scratching asteroid. Lovely, mate. <laughs> well, Brian... Anyway, you... good podcast. How do I get in touch with you if I want? Well, if you, if you like the podcast, the best thing you can do for us, for Nick and myself, if you like the Science Shed, is just to share it and tell people to, to listen to it. All right. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Steve the Chemist. Nick is um, at the Evans Lab. Or you can tweet us directly at the Science Shed. Wicked, mate. But until then, we, we, we'll have to adjourn this particular episode of the Science Shed. But See you we'll- later, mate. Bye. Bye. <laughs>